Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on this Friday, February 26th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Going to fly solo here for today's show with a Freestyle Friday segment. Going to talk some Major League Baseball, some NBA, some NHL, and some college basketball here to round out this week on ATS Radio and send you on into the weekend with some things to chew on and some food for thought. Over at ATS.io, the 2021 MLB betting guide fully posted over there. There is a landing page with links to each individual article, all 30 team previews, stats, the stat glossary, some things to know, some betting tips for betting on Major League Baseball, and then also World Series futures, ALNL pennant futures, ALNL MVP, ALNL Cy Young, and the Home Run King, all available over there at ATS.io. I believe there's 49 links or something like that in the article. There's a ton of stuff there for you to check out to get ready here for the 2021 baseball season. And I'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes' time here. Also over at the website, it's not just my work. we got a good cast of writers putting together a lot of helpful handicapping information in college basketball, in the NBA, in the NHL. Tons of stuff going on there. So make sure you check all of that out over at the website. And maybe the best way to check it out is to download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration from ATS.io, but the app is also a bet tracker, and it's got a live odds screen to get updates from the U.S. sportsbooks that are out there, a stats database to help you handicap the games, and also, too, a premium model that you can subscribe to for $9.99 a week, $19.99 a month over in that ATS app. So go into the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, search against the spread, and download that app today. All right, so as I said, the 2021 MLB betting guide posted over at ATS.io. And look, if if I can take a minute here, uh, this is a lot of work. I mean, it's a significant undertaking to do this guide. I believe it's 119,000 words, something like that. Yeah, these are long form reads, but I do encourage you to really dive into them because I think there's a lot of great information, not just from a season win total standpoint, but also from a game by game handicapping standpoint. You know, over the course of the previews, I take a look at the individual players on the team, what they did the previous season, if I'm expecting regression back towards their career means if there was some sort of outlier that can be explained, or maybe it can't be explained. But when you look at pitchers, for example, and I think this is one of the strongest things that I do in the guide, when you look at pitchers, and I've talked about this before, that last season, 50.5% of pitches, according to fan graphs, were fastballs, according to Baseball Info Solutions, with that data posted over at fan graphs. So pitchers are throwing fewer fastballs than ever before. So when you see a pitcher all of a sudden have a big strikeout increase or a good decrease in exit velocity against, something like that, I want to know why. So I go in depth in this guide, looking at a lot of different pitchers. And one that really stands out to me is Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola for the Philadelphia Phillies, been a very good pitcher the last few years. But last season, he was an absolutely great pitcher and actually fell into some bad luck that kind of bumped his ERA up a little bit. But I believe that what we saw from Aaron Nola last year is the new Aaron Nola. And what we saw from Nola was that he actually threw his curveball 
and some of his breaking balls and off-speed pitches more than the fastball last year. So to me, this is an indication that his improvements, his numbers will stick because he's got quality off-speed and breaking stuff. Now you increase the potential for strikeouts. You decrease the hard contact against. So Aaron Nola, for example, is a guy that I have listed in my NL Cy Young Futures piece as one of my likely picks here for the 2021 season. So I do that with a lot of pitchers, not even just the big name guys, but a lot of the guys that are around the league that, you know, I think this will be a big benefit for you when it comes to single game handicapping, if you can file some of these things away. So read the guide, take notes as you read the guide, put together sort of a comprehensive profile of your own, of some of the teams, of some of the individual pitchers that you want to bet on here early on in this season, you know, presumably before everybody else catches on. So it gives you a phenomenal head start. And again, I'm biased because I wrote it, but I think it gives you a really good head start into the Major League Baseball season. Now, if you don't want to read the individual article pages and would prefer to just have the full guide at your disposal, I did upload the PDF to my Google Drive. So if you want to email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, I will send you the link for the guide in PDF form from Google Drive. Now, I did tweet out the link on Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter, at skatingtripods. You can get it from there. But if you're not on Twitter, not on social media, God bless you because you made a really smart decision. But if you're not on Twitter uh, or, you know, you just don't follow me, email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com, and I will send you the link to the guide in PDF form. I know some people that have printed it off on the company's dime. Good for you. Certainly appreciate that. Uh, You don't want to print this thing off yourself at home. It's uh, very extensive, I would say. But, you know, again, I just think there's a lot of great analysis in there. And something else I want to make mention of here, too, before we move on, is that, yes, I do use a lot of advanced concepts in the guide. I do use a lot of sabermetrics and analytics to break down teams, to break down pitchers, to kind of take a look at what happened and how it could apply to the upcoming seasons. First and foremost, don't be afraid to dig into analytics. And I've said this a lot in the past, both here on the show, on my MLB podcast, The Better's Box, previously at bangthebook.com, and then on other various shows that I've done. What the metrics do, essentially, is they quantify what the eyes can see. You know, you can watch a game, whether you're in person or watching it on TV or something like that, and see how good a pitcher's stuff is. See how, you know, how much a hitter is pulling the ball on the ground into the shift. See how bad a center fielder is defensively. All those kinds of things. The metrics give you a valuation of what your eyes are seeing. They quantify it for you. They say, this is how much it's actively hurting the team, or this is how much it's actively helping the team. So it is usually confirmation of what you're seeing, but it puts a numeric value on it. And look, you don't have to know the formulas. You don't have to know how these numbers are created. All you have to know is how to interpret the data, how to analyze the data, how to know what it means, what its impact could be, how it could help or hurt a player, and how it could help or hurt a team. So that's what I do in the guide. You know, I don't sit there and give you the formula for weighted on base average. I don't give you the exact formula for left on base percentage. 
You know, I explain what these concepts are, but then I tell you how to interpret the data based on what those statistics actually look like. So don't be afraid of analytics. Use them as a tool, as a vessel to come to a decision with your bets, but don't be scared of them. There's nothing to be scared of with these analytics. I know analytics, it sounds like this big confusing word with all this science and all this data and all of that. You're not figuring out the actual statistics. You're figuring out what they mean, how to interpret them. So that's what I do in this 2021 MLB betting guide with the team previews, with some of the other articles that are in there. I think it's something that will be pretty eye-opening for you to realize that analytics are not daunting. They're not overwhelming. You know, they're out there and then you just have to interpret them. So I do a lot of that in that MLB betting guide. And I think that's a really, really strong aspect of what I do. And also too, there is a glossary section in there right after the table of contents and the introduction, at least in the printed form, there is an article over at ATS.io with a lot of the stats and the concepts that I talk about in the guide. So please check those out. I think they are very important things for you as you get ready for this baseball season. And as I said, this isn't just betting application. This is fantasy application. This is a great guide for anybody who's in the media business, in the radio business, to give you different things to talk about in terms of the evaluations of these players and of these teams. So I guess it's a really multifaceted preview as well. So I encourage you to check that out. Again, I put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of work into it. If you could retweet it, if you could like it, if you could share it with your friends, that would mean a lot to me because it is something that I'm very, very proud of year in and year out and something that I do put a lot of time, effort, and energy into, not just for myself, but especially for all of the readers of the guide. So check that out over at ATS.io. And if you want the PDF, Either get the link off my Twitter feed at Skating Tripods, or you can email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com. So we take a look here around the NBA, where the NBA All-Star break starts on March 4th. So the middle of next week, the league will kind of go on hiatus, take some time off. That'll be on Thursday of next week. This is usually a pretty good time of the year to bet on teams that understand the grind, that know what it takes, teams that have won before. Because what you often have happen leading up to these breaks is that you have some teams that, for lack of a better term, mail it in. You know, they're thinking about getting away from the game. They're thinking about maybe taking that vacation, something like that. Obviously, in a a COVID year where you're certainly worried about still getting the illness and putting your team on a pause, uh, you know, guys may not be taking those lavish and extravagant trips or anything like that. But teams do look ahead to the break. Teams that are struggling, teams that are young, they look ahead to the break. Teams that are older, more savvy, uh, more, you know, veteran-oriented are teams that generally try to bank some cheap wins. So I'll talk about that with uh, next week's NBA situational betting tips piece over at ATS.io, but it is something to kind of file away in the back of your mind for right now. As far as a few games I'm looking at here for this weekend, there are five of them that are of interest to me. We'll see how these kind of play out. But on Friday night, the Pacers and the Celtics, and this one's on ESPN here, like the Pacers a little bit in this spot tonight, getting three or three and a half. First game of a road trip is usually a good time to back the road team. They want to get that road trip off on the right foot, especially if it's a longer one in nature. And this one for the Pacers, I believe, does run into that all-star break 
that begins on Thursday. But the Celtics are reeling a little bit. Now, they have played better at home, but this is a Boston team in last place in the Atlantic Division. And the Atlantic Division still has the New York Knicks in it, by the way. The Celtics have some major issues. The Pacers are about a 500 team themselves, but the Celtics are laying a price here against a comparable Indiana team, a Pacers team starting off a road trip. Kind of lean that way with the Pacers tonight at three or three and a half. We'll see where this number ends up going, but I do have a lean to Indiana in tonight's game. This one is not a lean. This one's actually a play for me, and I don't do a whole lot of betting in the NBA. I do the situational article. I think it's good content over at the website. Don't really bet the NBA a whole lot, but I will tonight. And I like the Detroit Pistons this evening against the Sacramento Kings. Now the Kings gave up 140 points last night to the New York Knicks. They're ending a road trip of five games in seven days, and they've lost nine in a row. To me, Sacramento just wants to get home. And furthermore, If they don't win this game tonight, and they are a slight favorite, I think minus one in this one. If they don't win this game tonight, this is exactly what I'm talking about, about a young team that just wants to be done for a little while, just wants to get away from the court, not have to worry about this losing streak that is mounted. So I think the Kings, not only a fade team tonight in Detroit, but I think they're also a fade team when they get back home uh, next week in their games prior to the all-star break. But when you look at Detroit here, a team that's 9-23 and on the season, and I've talked about this a lot with really bad teams, that when they're either in an advantageous situational spot against another bad opponent or just get somebody who's kind of close to their level, they put forth a much bigger effort in those types of games. They can smell a win. And when wins are in short supply and you feel like you can get one, you're probably going to get it. Because the thing about these bad teams is that front offices may tank, coaches may tank in terms of kind of what they do, but generally speaking, players don't tank. Players want to win. Anybody that's played a sport at any sort of remotely competitive level knows that losing sucks. It is not fun. So to me, I look at the Pistons tonight with a rare opportunity at a win against a team that's clearly defensively Uh, He has a lot of defensive shortcomings, given what happened last night. I think the Pistons win this game tonight. So I do like Detroit on the hardwood here this evening. And this one may be a play for me. This is kind of a stronger lean. Looking at the Bulls in the first half this evening against the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are the better team. There's absolutely no question about that. But I do think that with this non-conference game, on this little road trip here for the Suns, they'll make stops in Chicago, the Twin Cities, and then play the Lakers next week. I don't think this is a game that they're fully engaged, fully ready for. I think over time, throughout the game, we may see the Suns actually be the better team in this one. But I'm kind of expecting a slow start here from Phoenix tonight. So I think Bulls in the first half, probably in that plus three, plus three and a half range, not a bad look here this evening against the Phoenix Suns. Now, when we look ahead to Saturday, I just talked about the Pacers, got a little bit of a lean on them for this game against Boston. If they play well tonight, maybe you fade them tomorrow night against the New York Knicks. The Knicks do have a better record than the Celtics this year, but it's not like they command the same level of respect. You know, I mean, people think of Boston as being sort of one of the gatekeepers in the Eastern Conference. The Knicks, they've been a laughing stock. They've been a bottom feeder. And as impressive as they've been playing here of late, they're still a sub-500 team going into this game against the Pacers. 
So I sort of wonder if the Pacers have a little bit of a letdown. It is a back-to-back. The travel's not that bad. But, you know, we'll see what happens tonight in this Pacers-Celtics game. Maybe that leads us down a certain path here on Saturday. Also on Saturday, and this one's scary as hell, and Orlando may need some magic, pardon the pun, to cover this number. But I think when you look at this game on Saturday, this could be a good buy low spot on the magic and a good sell high spot on the Utah Jazz. Now, the Jazz have been playing out of their minds this season. They've been hitting threes at a ridiculous rate. They take a ton of threes as well. So that's something that has benefited them over the course of the season here. But the Jazz just blew out the Lakers a few days ago. And then they play the Miami Heat here tonight. If they beat the Heat, and the Heat also beat the Lakers last week, the Lakers kind of reeling a little bit without Anthony Davis right now. But if the Jazz pick up that big win against the Lakers and follow it up with a big win against the Heat, Orlando's getting a big number on Saturday night at home against the Utah team that I would be surprised if the Jazz are at their sharpest in that game. So I don't know how many points the Magic will be getting yet. I've got to think it's in the double-digit range. This might not be a bad bet, especially because Orlando got blown out by Brooklyn last night. So maybe this is a good buy-low spot on the Magic in a tough situational spot for Orlando, or uh, for Utah, excuse me. A Utah team that, let's be honest, regression to the mean is coming. I don't know when, and if you've been trying to fade this Jazz team You've been losing your shirt, your pants, your socks, your shoes, pretty much everything. But I think Saturday night, the Magic might be kind of a tricky spot for Utah. So we'll see what that number looks like. But that's kind of the direction I'm heading in here for Saturday night. Over on the NHL side of things here, I've got something I like tonight. There's only three games on the NHL card. They've done some adjusting with the scheduling here for this evening and and did some last night as well. Also, the San Jose Sharks with a COVID positive. That's kind of throwing things for a loop uh, in that West or Pacific division, whatever they're calling it this year. But tonight, the Bruins are at the Rangers. And last night, the Bruins got rocked by the Islanders. 7-2, the Islanders win that game. We talked about that one on Tuesday with Brian Blessing. Talked about liking the Islanders with Boston coming back from that Lake Tahoe game. Long travel for the first time, all of that. And they got skated off the ice by the Islanders, who are not a great offensive team by any means, but hung a seven spot in that game last night. So now I think the Bruins are in a bounce-back situation tonight. But they're a minus-170 favorite. Which brings me to the Minnesota Wild. The Minnesota Wild hosts the Los Angeles Kings this evening, and the Wild are playing their first home game in about a month. I think their last home game was January 31st. In their first game off the COVID pause, they started in LA, I think maybe a week and a half ago or so now, and lost that game 4-0. So now the Wild are in a revenge spot. So you got Boston in a bounce back spot, the Wild in a revenge spot where they're back at home, two minus 170 favorites here. A money line parlay pays out at plus 152, and I do like this tonight and did lock this one in with the Bruins over the Rangers and the Wild over the Kings. So this is not something I would get in the habit of doing all the time in the NHL with these money line parlays, but I do think it can be a good idea if you're unwilling to lay the risk at minus 170 or something like that. And we have seen both of these lines go up here uh, based off of the overnights. But I think Bruins and Wild in a money line parlay is a pretty good look tonight in that plus 152 range. 
Big Saturday schedule in the NHL. There are three one o'clock games. There's a three o'clock game. Plenty of stuff going on here. A couple of games I'm sort of intrigued with. I'm not sure if I'll have plays on either one of them, but I will throw them out here for you on today's show. The Maple Leafs and the Oilers play on Saturday. And this is a hockey night in Canada revenge spot for Toronto. They were in one last week against Montreal, got that win. They're in one here on Saturday night against Edmonton. But the concerning thing for me here is that Toronto's playing outside the Eastern time zone for the first time since January 30th. So some travel here for the first time in effectively four weeks for the Maple Leafs. So that's kind of an interesting little wrinkle here, especially with the way that this season is kind of set up where there's a lot of regional travel in a lot of these divisions, but then you've got the Canadian division, the North division, which is spread across the country. But Toronto's played a lot of games close to home, playing Montreal, playing Ottawa, playing at home, stuff like that. So kind of curious about this spot for the Maple Leafs. They are in that Hockey Night in Canada revenge spot. They lost the first game 4-3 to in that big battle between Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. The Oilers are playing very well right now. So that kind of concerns me a little bit here too. The Hockey Night in Canada revenge angle is something I'm kind of following. Like I said, it worked last weekend for Montreal and Toronto, but I don't know if I can fire on the Maple Leafs here for Saturday night. What I'm kind of more interested in here is playing the over in the game between Dallas and Tampa Bay. Dallas is playing somebody other than the Florida Panthers for the first time since February 13th. The Lightning are playing someone other than Carolina for the first time since February 15th. Lightning and, and Hurricanes played four straight against each other, The Stars and the Panthers played three straight. Dallas had to give up some home dates and uh, have some games postponed because of the bad winter weather that was down there. But the first game of a series kind of lends itself towards an over. You know, as you go through playing the same team for a few games in a row, you kind of get accustomed to it. You know, you kind of make your adjustments, stuff like that. But to me, I think when you play that first game of a series, especially if you're used to playing the same opponent consecutive times, I think that first game kind of lends itself to the over a little bit. So looking at Dallas and Tampa Bay over on Saturday night, I'm guessing it's going to be six. Uh, Maybe it'll be six and a half. I'm not sure. But that's one where I am kind of looking at the over in that Saturday night game between Dallas and Tampa Bay. Lastly, we finish up on the college basketball side here. We talked a lot of college basketball this week with Kyle Hunter on Monday, Kiev O'Neill on Wednesday, and then Brad Powers on Thursday. If you missed any of those shows, you know, yes, some of the day of game information is dated at this point in time, but a lot of good information otherwise. Conference tournaments started last night with the Horizon League. Two of them start on Saturday with the Big South and the America East. So a lot of things that we talked about here throughout the week on the shows, still pretty relevant here as we head into the weekend, including from Monday's show, where Kyle and I talk about some regression candidates, both positive and negative, some fade and follow teams, all that kind of stuff. Some of those teams are in action tonight. Kyle on Monday mentioned Siena, the Saints, being a team that he felt was in line for some positive regression offensively. They're playing Manhattan today and tomorrow. Today's game at 5, tomorrow at 7. Siena's minus 10 in that one probably won't be played to a very high pace. So laying a big number is a little bit scary in that one. But Kyle did say that he thought Sienna's offense was in line for some positive regression. So we'll see if that comes into play tonight as they take on Manhattan. 
One that I like a little bit more here for this evening, another one that Kyle brought up on Monday's show, was looking to follow George Washington. And the Colonials here are getting 14 against St. Bonaventure in A-10 action tonight. This is one I do like. I like George Washington getting two touchdowns in this game. Again, they are a lot healthier now than they were early on in the season. So this is one that is definitely on my radar for the Friday night card. One that I mentioned on Monday's show, a team that I was looking to fade a little bit, looking for some negative regression from, was the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. They take on Northern Arizona tonight in Flagstaff. For those that don't know, Northern Arizona is at significant elevation. It's like 7,300 feet above sea level. I found that out the hard way when I went to Flagstaff a couple years ago on an Arizona trip with my wife, had a beer and a bourbon and was drunk. So I didn't really realize uh, that the elevation was such a big deal there until I started having a couple of pops. And then, you know, I I sort of realized pretty quickly after the fact that, uh, you know, we were at some pretty significant elevation. But in any event, I talked about Southern Utah as a regression candidate early on in the week. 14 of their 19 games here so far this season have been at home. And they take a ton of threes, and they don't make very many of them. So this is a Utah State team that, you know, their offense is predicated on shooting long jump shots, and they've been fortunate to play only five road games to this point, but they get one tonight. And Northern Arizona is not a good team. I mean, they are not a good team at all. They lost 85-80 to 80 to uh, Southern Utah earlier on Wednesday in a game played at Southern Utah. Southern Utah had 1.234 points per possession in that game with only 60 field goal attempts. So I would expect Southern Utah to fall off offensively here in this one. I do like Northern Arizona. They're getting seven and a half, eight in this game tonight. I do like the Lumberjacks in that one over the Thunderbirds. Again, a continuation of what we talked about on Monday's show. Another one I'm looking at here for tonight, and I wrote a preview for this game over at bangthebook.com, still contributing over there, even though the show now at ATS.io. Utah Valley, minus three against UT Rio Grande Valley. Now, the, the Vaqueros are in a bit of a tough spot here because they've only played once since their head coach, Lou Hill, passed away. And it was right after coaching the game against Texas Southern that Hill actually passed away in his sleep. So UT Rio Grande Valley, you know, they were on a, a little bit of a pause, you know, certainly with the loss of their coach. They haven't played a Division One team since January 16th, and that was Dixie State. And Dixie State, of course, a team in Division One a for the first time here this season. So the Vaqueros have really not played anybody of consequence in quite some time. I happen to think Utah Valley is actually a pretty decent team out there in the WAC. They're a three-point favorite here for this one in Orem, Utah. And they also play tomorrow, too. And I think back-to-back in elevation for Rio Grande Valley is a really bad spot for them, especially against the Utah Valley team that gets to the rim a lot. They take a lot of shots close to the rim. I like the Wolverines overall, and I like them here tonight, minus three. And I would anticipate that tomorrow's line is in the same range as well. So Utah Valley, a play for me tonight, and could very well be a play for me tomorrow night as well. One other one here to talk about from Monday, uh, Kyle mentioned this on the show, that Cal State Bakersfield, with some pretty significant injury issues, They take on Cal State Northridge tonight. Northridge is a bad, bad, bad team. But that line hasn't seemed to adjust, hasn't seemed to have adjusted too much off of what the predictions were for that number. So maybe Northridge tonight, worth a look. Uh, But again, Cal State, the Matadors, 
not a very good team here for this season. Saturday, as I mentioned already, the Big South tournament starts and the America East Conference tournament starts. Again, conference tournament handicapping, there are a lot of advantages out there to handicapping conference tournaments. You can look for the futures prices. You can consider the money line rollovers. We'll talk more about these things on Monday when we have more conference tournaments and hopefully more conference tournament odds. But just something for you to keep in mind here. With these really small conference tournaments, you know, you've got the first games at campus sites and stuff like that usually. Then you wind up going to some sort of neutral setting in some of them or the higher seeded team is at home and you get a lot of days off in between. But the Big South and the AEC get going on Saturday and we'll talk about a lot more conference tournaments on Monday with Kyle. Question for Saturday here. Do we get a letdown from the Michigan Wolverines? Big win over Ohio State last weekend. The blowout win over Iowa on Thursday night where they just completely suffocated the Hawkeyes offense. Now they play Indiana on the road on Saturday. And Michigan has obviously established itself as the best team in the Big Ten here. And they've emphatically kind of put their stamp on that. But they've played a lot of games in a short window here because they wound up having that COVID pause where they didn't have any cases of COVID, but the Michigan Athletic Department had some. So the university made the decision to shut everything down. So Michigan you know, kind of lost out on, on maybe having some more spread across their games. They're playing games in kind of a condensed format. Now, I sort of wonder if we get Michigan's best performance here on Saturday. Now, I don't know what this line winds up looking like, especially with Michigan off of two high-profile wins, but I kind of lean the Indiana way. But, of course, we'll see what that number looks like once it actually comes out. How about Boise State and San Diego State on Thursday night? Absolutely brutal beat for Boise backers in that game. That one went to overtime. Overtime. And San Diego State won that game by 12. Spread in that game was six and a half. Boise State only scored three points in the extra period. Now, to be fair, Boise State did erase a 12-point halftime deficit to get back into that game, send it to overtime. Uh, But then, of course, they lose by 12, not covering the six and a half. What do we see from Boise State here on Saturday? Because Boise State, a team that, according to to most of the bracketologists that are out there, a team that looks to be in the NCAA tournament field. They could really use this win here on Saturday, and they were on the cusp with that big comeback on Thursday of knocking off San Diego State, a team that is firmly and safely in the NCAA tournament field. So I'm really curious to see what happens with Boise State here. I would anticipate the line maybe six, maybe a little bit lower because Boise State took that game to overtime, or it could just be six and a half again. I don't know. We'll have to kind of wait and see. But I think Boise State will have to be supremely motivated for that game to try and get that resume building win kind of like the Broncos a little bit in that one where I do anticipate they should have a bit better of a start than what they had in the first game scoring only 17 points over the first 20 minutes one play I will look to make here on Saturday I want to fade Belmont Belmont takes on Moorhead State here on Saturday Belmont lost last night to Eastern Kentucky and it wasn't even really that close I think EKU led at 18 at the break wound up winning the game by 12 or 14 something like that But for Belmont here, they don't have anything to play for. You know, they've already have the top spot locked up for the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. They already have the regular season title locked up. Maybe they're upset. Maybe they're motivated. Maybe they bounce back. But I don't 
know if that's going to happen. You know, because you get into this groove where you're playing so well and every game is a big game because you've got that dash zero next to your conference record. But then you lose. And then what happens? And in this game in particular, a Moorhead State team that is very good defensively, probably the best defensive team in the Ohio Valley Conference here this season. So to me, I think a frustrated, flustered, kind of demoralized Belmont team may have some issues with Moorhead State in this game. We'll see what this number looks like. The projection's kind of looking like Moorhead State plus three and a half, plus four, something like that. But I do think Moorhead State is not a bad look here in this one if Belmont is sulking a little bit off of that first conference loss of the year. And I do think that could very well be the case for the Bruins. Lastly, like I said already, I'll be back on Utah Valley State again on Saturday. UT Rio Grande Valley in elevation, back-to-back, first back-to-back game since January 15th and 16th, just their fourth game. Actually, their third game since January, no, fourth game, since January 16th. So they've not been playing a whole lot. They're probably not going to be sharp. They're a bad offensive team to begin with. Utah Valley on both Friday night and Saturday night here. I think at worst we split. I think we have a good shot at going 2-0, and though in those two games out there in the whack. Coming up on Monday, Kyle Hunter joins me. We will talk a ton of conference tournaments on Monday's show. Lots to get to, lots to discuss. We may work in some of the remaining regular season conferences as well, but hopefully we've got a lot of odds for the conference tournaments here. It, it's definitely my favorite time of the year, conference tournaments, especially on the show I think it's something that's really, really beneficial for our listeners when we talk about it. And as we look at this conference tournament format here, you've got the Atlantic Sun on Wednesday, the A-10 and the OVC. On Thursday, we get the West Coast Conference, the Missouri Valley, and also the SoCon. Friday, the Sun Belt. Saturday, we get the Colonial and the Summit and the title game of the OVC. So, Lots of conference tournaments to talk about. I don't know how many we'll actually have odds for, and I don't know if Kyle will be able to do a second show with me as we usually do during conference tournament weeks. We will probably do two shows the following week, but we'll have to see how we can kind of work that out uh, with so many conference tournaments and and so much stuff going on. But uh, we will do everything in our power to get you all of the conference tournaments, a breakdown of some degree on all of them, whether that's with Kyle or with our other guests, or maybe we would bring on some special guests, something like that. We'll try to hit as many conference tournaments as we can here over the next two weeks on ATS Radio. And we will do that beginning on Monday with Kyle Hunter. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend. Read the 2021 MLB betting guide, and I will talk to you again on Monday.